Need a new set of optics? For more than a decade, Riton Optics has been providing optic solutions for hunters and shooters of all types and disciplines. Check out their Primal line for those products geared more towards us hunters. From binoculars and spotting scopes to your basic 3-9 to nine scopes and longer range crossover models, the Primal line from Riton was made for hunters. Learn more at RitonOptics.com. That's Riton, R-I-T-O-N, Optics.com. Welcome to the Where to Hunt podcast, the podcast that connects public land hunting enthusiasts. Today is November 3rd, 2016. This is episode number 36, and I'm your host, Eric Clark. Um, this week, I brought on a guest. The guest, uh, I'll let him introduce himself in a minute when I bring him on. But we go over um, talking a lot about public land hunting, tips and tricks to a uh, more successful public land hunt, have some great stories shared back and forth, and... Uh, we also have some callers that I'll feature from this last week's uh, live caller uh, segment that I've been starting to do. Uh, and th- in fact, the calls are going to be about uh, using decoys, which we'll have a guest on next week that will cover that topic a lot, uh, a-, a bit more in depth. So without further ado, I'm going to go ahead and bring on our guest and get right into it. All right, we're going to go ahead and welcome our guest of the week on the show. Uh, I got Sam on the phone with me here. Sam, I don't want to butcher your last name. It's either... Ubel or uh, UBL or Ubel? Hey, yeah, you got it right the first time. It's Ubel. Yeah. Awesome. All right. I should have asked before, before I hit the record button. I'm notorious for doing that. Well, you know what? Having uh, such a short last name, you'd think things would be easier, but it, it is actually kind of a complicated one. UBL is kind of a, an odd spelling. <laughs> yeah, it's different. I've never seen, I've, actually, you're the, fir- you're the first person I've ever seen with a three-letter uh, last name like that, so... <laughs> Yeah. I'm sure you've heard that before on some level. Yeah. Well, cool, man. Well, welcome to Where to Hunt. Uh, this is uh, a podcast that focuses or centralizes, at least that we try to, around public land hunting. Um, this is our 36 episodes. I've been doing it for, for a little bit here and we're kind of getting back on with things. And uh, you're, you're sure. traveling right now. Where are you heading to and where are you coming from? Well, right now, I'm headed to meet up with my good friend Jesse. We're going to be heading up to central Wisconsin, where we're going to be hunting public land for the next five days. So we're, uh, I'm just, I got about an hour drive yet to get to him and scoop him up. And then uh, we're going to hit the road running and see if we can put the smack down on, on, on a big old buck and kind of the, uh, the Dells area. Fantastic. That's pretty cool. Now you, um, I don't know if I can. You were in, you were just in Minnesota, if I'm not mistaken. Is that right? Yeah, absolutely. I was um, filming with Whitetail Adrenaline again this year. Um, I spent the week there. Um, I had a good friend, uh, Steve Jeffrey. He's a phenomenal photographer, and he he's a little bit newer into videography, but but he definitely cuts the mustard. And, and he and I went out there, and we spent the week with Jared. Um, I don't know if you know Jared or not, but I think you you did a podcast yeah. with him. Yeah, this is my first one I... actually. Yeah, <laughs> this is a little while ago now. Yeah, absolutely. So guest. yeah, so 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 the three of us, and then John Adams. John John's another very talented videographer. He in fact um, filmed uh, with Jim Shockey. Uh, oh my gosh! Over yeah. in Af- Africa and and uh, in North Carolina. Um, so he's he's got quite the experience too. So it was a fun crew, and uh, and we hunted. Yeah, we hunted Minnesota public land, and um, that was October 24th up until uh, 29th. And let me tell you, I mean, even even you know going back a week, those deer were on the move. They were definitely moving around. A lot of smaller bucks, but some bigger ones too. I'm sure you can't. Pro- you probably can't talk too much about it because it'll be something we're all going to see next year then, or you know, next season. Yeah, well, uh, you know, I can talk a little bit about it. I can't, I can't give too much away, but I, I can definitely tell you a little bit about the um, the kind of 
Well, let me well, back, let me back up real quick. Let me just have you uh, kind of formally introduce yourself um, to give some some backdrop to why I got you on here and who you are and all that stuff. If that's all right. Absolutely. Yep. Yep. Um, so again, uh, I, I actually my name is Sam Ubel. I, I'm from Southeast Wisconsin. I grew up in Waukesha County. Um, kind of born and raised, and haven't really left yet. I mean. Um, I don't know. I love the area. I've had opportunities to leave, but I just haven't really wanted to, to be honest with you. Um, I grew up hunting public land pretty much exclusively all over uh, southeastern and central Wisconsin. And then, you know, quite a bit uh, up up in the Nicolay National Forest up in uh, northern Wisconsin. But, um, you know, down here, it's all you know how Wisconsin is. I oh, mean, yeah. you know, eastern Wisconsin, especially southeastern Wisconsin, we have tons of marshland. You know, being close to the lake like that, um, we have a lot of under undergrowth. You know, uh, it, making our our woods quite a bit denser than if you head more towards the central part of the state, where you can kind of see through the woods. We have so much of that small saplings and whatnot taking up all the ground coverage. And then, uh, and we have that flat farmland and you head north and, and suddenly it's like you're in a whole nother country or something yeah, with yeah, the yeah. north woods. And those big woods are beautiful. And then western Wisconsin with all of our, uh, you know, our hill country Long out there, and that terrain. And, yeah. 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 So, you know, I, but I love, I love hunting marshes. And if you want to get into public land hunting in southeastern Wisconsin, you, you better be willing to put in some work. Um, because we are awfully close to some big cities between Madison and Milwaukee and, uh, where you've got cities and you've got denser population, you have, you know, more competition on public land. So it's been, it's been quite the learning experience over the last, whatever it's been over 20 years I've been doing it. I feel like every season I go into hunting thinking I know so much more this year than last year and... (laughs) It just seems like it's never enough. You, you can never stop learning, um, especially no, as a public hunter. No, I think if you if you if you find uh, yourself thinking that you've learned it all, or you know you you know you've got to the uh, the peak of of your ability or, or knowledge, then you ought to quit hunting because you just <laughs> lost track of what it is you're doing out there. I mean, it is a constant learning trial and error, too much error at times. But I mean that's you know, what do you learn the most when, you know, through experience? And uh, I've learned some, some very valuable lessons. I mean, besides how to read deer movement and, and how to adjust on public land, especially pressured public land, how to deal with populations of people and, and competitive hunters, you know, and since when did hunting become competitive? I don't know, but the last, like, 10 years, it sure feels like it. It you really know, especially does. on public land. Yep, it's just... Uh... Gosh, we ought to have a small aside to just simply talk about that. And again, kind of back up about knowing, thinking you know everything. Um, I forget which philosopher said this, but I took some philosophy courses in college as, you know, you had to take your gen eds or whatever. And I remember one of them said, it's the, the smarter I get, the more I realize, the less I know. And I feel like, <laughs> <laughs> what a true statement that is. You know what? Uh, I'm actually writing a, a book right now on uh, it's short stories, musky fishing related short stories. And I'm starting each chapter with a quote, um, and that kind of like defines, encompasses, you know, what the chapter, what the story is going to be about. And I actually use that direct quote. Was it Socrates? Uh, I can't remember if it was him or one of the other ones. <laughs> well, you you got me beat. I have to look back. I, it's been, <laughs> I wrote that chapter probably six months ago. I have to go back and look. But it's a great quote. It might be. It's a great quote. Yeah. It sums up deer hunting. Absolutely. <laughs> Well, so oh, let's, let's talk about public land. So I'm, I'm born and raised in Waukesha County also. I currently reside in Pewaukee. Um, so I end up hunting a lot of the land that's just kind of nearby for, for, for bow hunting primarily because, uh, you know, bow hunting season's so long and it's easy to just kind of scoot out here and scoot out there and, and take the time when I got it. Um, and I'll be hunting this entire week. And I told my, my – I just got married, so I told my wife, I said, this is it. I'm hunting all weekend. You know, I'm gonna I'm gonna be a ghost. You're gonna see me on Friday, and then that's it. <laughs> she, I'm sure she was excited to hear that. I've been trying to prep her for a long time. I said, you only know me as a student. You just wait till I graduate. You're not gonna see a whole lot of me mm-hmm. come hunting season. But, um, 
I'm trying to think about where the heck am I going to go that's going to be worth my while so I really make the most of my weekend, especially with all the activity I've been seeing through social media. And yeah, you know what? If you the, the greatest lesson in public land hunting is you'll find the deer where the people aren't and I mean that could be just getting away from the cities and making a drive if you have to just to get to a more isolated area or um you know, another thing is a lot of people either I don't know if it is that they don't think of it or you know, they just they're too shy to do it or what it is. But there's really no harm in knocking on doors on private land abutting the backsides of public land to gain access to areas otherwise hard to get to. Oh, yeah. The guys that are parking on the side of the road, you know, people that aren't willing to put in the hike, those those areas oftentimes are left alone and, you know, really almost treated like private land. Not to say that the private landowners, you know, pretend like they own it or something, but I mean, you'll find private landowners hunting on the public land and quite successful at that just because the guys aren't willing to get back there. Yep. That's fascinating. I actually scouted some land like that this past season. I'm like, man, we ought to just ask if we can get in this, this guy's backyard over here where this property abuts. We're on public land. And you could tell that the activity started getting a little bit hotter in that area. And I'm like, man, I wish I could keep following the trail that way. But, you know, and I, and I didn't ask. And so, <laughs> I don't know why I didn't ask. I don't know why people don't. I know some do. A buddy of mine actually writes letters to people, handwritten letters, asking for permission. And he's had some success with that. You know, the other the other good way that I've found is um, I, I'm, I'm, I use boats a lot, whether it's private or public. I, I don't know. I mean, you know, nine out of ten times I need the boat to get back, to, to get to the backside or deep into a piece that otherwise is, is hard to get to. I mean, boats make life very easy, especially with dragging deer if, you know, the situation you know, makes it such. But I, I've also, you know, done the tie my boots up and put them over my shoulders and wear my waders and, and you know, hike back and then get my waders on across the river uh, and then put my boots back on. Because, you know, sometimes... You know, typically, at least in Wisconsin, public land has to have an easement or public access point. However, um, there are isolated areas of public land where you might see like a, say, 150-acre piece, and the whole piece together is like, say, 175, and, and there's a creek or a river going through it, and maybe 25 acres of that 175 is on the adjacent side of the river that's surrounded by private. Now, you know, the state gets away with it. I mean, because there is public access that there is an access point or an easement to get to that piece. Um, especially in, in, in this example, the greater majority, but those are exactly the kind of areas that when I'm looking or scouting for an area to hunt on public land, that, that's exactly what I'm pinpointing. And I'm going to take a boat down the river and I'm going to go hunt that 25 acre piece and completely ignore that other 150. That everyone That's, else is, it's completely lopsided. You know, you got, let's just say, 50 hunters on the side that you can access, and you maybe got five on the opposite side. Yep. And that's really that's yeah. really the greater half of the battle is you spend half your time trying to figure out how to avoid other hunters rather than, you, you know, you want to think about seeing the deer too, but it's a, it's a dual-edged sword. You want, to, you, you want to avoid other hunters and you want to see deer. And that first one's a real doozy, avoiding other hunters. That's tough, and that's a great that's a great thought process to do it. Yeah, online resources by far, you know, the best way to scout if you've got it available to you. And you know, everybody's got smartphones. It feels like these days you can get Google Earth on your phone, and um, there's different mapping applications you can you can get onto, and and they'll show you the the it's kind of like a plot book or GIS map sort of where you can, you can see who the owners are and where the private and public is. And public, you know, there's one app out there where the public is shaded a specific color and you can investigate a little further just to verify it. Um, but when you, when you really want to start putting some serious work into getting into, um, hunting or if you did let me put it a different way if you want to be a successful hunter and you don't have private available to you and you are limited to public access you have no other option than to put in some serious work 
scouting uh, and, and using online resources, especially mapping tools, is your best, uh, your best friend. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. And you're right about the, I know I, it's, um, I feel like they, they're kind of changing the branding a little bit, but Onyx is a, is a mapping application that I use when I'm in the field, even where, it's, like you said, it shows you those property boundaries and those lines and, you know, the, the land ownership as well as what type of public land you might be on. Yeah, it's I'd not say perfect, Onyx is, but it's it's pretty damn it's good. It's not perfect, but it's pretty close. What I like about Onyx is that uh, you can identify, you know, you can click on that arrow that pinpoints your exact location at the moment, and that'll tell you the general vicinity of the public that you're on. So you know, if you're getting close to uh, to private, you know, to turn one way or the other, so yep. you, you know you don't mess up. Now most most private landowners that abut public land, at least huntable private that that is neighboring or adjoining to public more often than not those are the pieces of private where you're going to find a lot of no trespassing signs versus you know in the state you don't have to post your land anymore like you used to um it's been that way for you know i don't know like 10 years or something and or even maybe even longer and um you know, so so if you're hunting private land and you're surrounded by neighboring private, you might accidentally walk onto another piece if you're not following, say, like a, an online mapping application, like Onyx, for example. Right, right. But but I found from from for at least in most cases, when I'm on public land and I get close to a border, I, I almost you almost don't need an application because, and wisely so, a lot of times those private neighbors are gonna mark up their piece so so you don't end, end up walking in there and i don't blame them for that either you know yeah if you if you own your own land that's your <laughs> that's yours what i home. will tell you <laughs> what i will tell you is a little you know kind of a sidebar here is i i, I have witnessed uh on many occasions uh private land signs that are you know on the public sometimes you know by a few feet and that's no big deal but it, it starts to get a little frustrating when you come across situations where somebody, you know, might have removed the public land signs and then moved their private land signs deep, like, say, 25, even 50 to 100 yards. Yeah, that's a little public. ridiculous. Yep, I've witnessed and seen some of that stuff. You know, like the VPA access signs are, have been, I've seen them destroyed or moved, and it's like, what the heck? You know, why would you do that? You know, in, in Wisconsin, and well, it's a little, so let me go. So if I go to Minnesota, like like where I was just at uh, last week, there's a couple pieces where, um, you know, we identified them as public and, you know, we had to drive around and burn an hour or more yeah. driving around this piece or actually a couple of different pieces trying to identify where we could access from. And looking at the map, it was like, gosh, this, this doesn't make sense. It says that there is a small easement right here but there's private land signs all over right where i thought that that access point was where that little easement is and uh so in, in one particular case there's three gates and they're all real close to each other you probably see this on on the next uh, white adrenaline dvd um uh, unless it gets cut but we we walked up to this very piece i'm talking about and um there's these three gates and they're all right next to each other and the two on the sides, like there's one on the right and one on the left and one in the middle. The one on the right and the one on the left go into private. And the one in the middle goes into public. Hmm. Now, when I mean close to each other, I mean these gates were like four, four or five feet apart. That's where the so posts confusing. Were. So it was really confusing. And then the one in the so and then what they did was on the posts, on the in, both landowners of the private on both sides, no trespassing signs on the two inside posts by the middle gate. Sure. If that makes sense. So I'm thinking, okay, we can walk down where this middle gate is. That's supposed to be the easement from what I understand by this map. But man, it's confusing with those signs. Well, you know, I ended up having to call DNR and, and they gave us the go ahead and said, you got it right. Um, but it's that little bit of trickery. There's nothing wrong or illegal with what the private landowners are doing with the signs but it's it's ways like that flirting with the lines of what's yeah exactly and i'm sure it's very effective in a lot of cases because you don't want to be the guy that's messing around getting caught doing something like that because the repercussions are you know pretty bad in some cases 
but I've done that. I've called a forester in some instances. I'm like, hey, I don't, I don't know where I can park here. I'm not really sure what to do. Can you, can you kind of walk me through this? And, you know, in the instances where I've actually got a hold of someone, they've been really helpful. Yeah. It's, so you got you're going to run into that from time to time. And, and especially if you're in kind of terrain like, you know, block country or northern, northern Wisconsin or, you know, where we were hunting in, in those blocks in Minnesota, where cell reception is just absolutely terrible. Um, another helpful t- tip is, and I'm glad I, I learned from last year's experience, is take a lot of screenshots with your phone and save save images of the maps and whatnot on your phone or whatever device you got with you so you can reference that because if you lose reception and you can't access your online map and you're at a spot like I was at, you know, more than not, more often than not, guys are going to turn right around and just, you know, say the heck with that and find somewhere else to hunt. Yep. And I'm, I'm glad I, I'm glad that we got it figured out because it ended up being a really, really nice piece. So let me let me use that as a segue into let's talk about the buck you got in Waukesha this year. Now, I know I think you said you did get it on private land, um, but I'm curious about the story just because it's so close to home, quite literally. Yeah, yeah. Um, so that's. That is actually um, that it was private. Um, that is a farm I've been hunting for. Uh, uh, this is the 11th season now, and oddly enough, I had not killed a buck out there uh, in all that time. And I didn't really hunt it a whole lot up until uh, the last few years. Um, and I guess the only reason is because I had stuff closer to home. Uh, I live in Maquanago now, but. Um, yeah, I lived in Brookfield and, and for a while too, and there was there was public and some private that I was able to hunt that was closer than uh, where I was hunting um, a few weeks ago when I killed that buck. So I don't know, call it lazy or call it busy or whatever it was. Um, I just didn't do enough scouting out there to feel confident. And it's not like you know when you hear of somebody's hunting a private farm, you know, it, it sounds like a package deal, but. This wasn't like that. This was, this, this is a 165 acres of uh, tillable, you know, field, and then maybe 12 acres of hardwood that kind of um, borders it. And there's just one finger of, of wood that sticks out into the field that gives it a little bit of dimension. But it's a complicated, you know, well, piece to with hunt. A, and, especially with a bow, it's not like you got a rifle. You're going to shoot 300 yards. You got, you know. 50 or right. 60 yards depending on how confident you are with your, your equipment you know yeah exactly that's so true and so it makes it really complicated and during the rut you know i've had great success calling deer in they get a visual on them you can let out a couple soft grunts and you can turn a, a deer and have them cross a lot of ground to uh to get in close enough and it's a great decoy spot too if you got a decoy and you tuck it just inside the wood line and you know i've had deer respond to that just not the one as i was after now this particular piece was notorious for giants and when i say giants i mean two seasons ago i was after a 190 oh, um i called him wow. i called him chicken foot because he had it all going on one side was beautiful and regular and the other side he had three main beams and the way they were shaped it was almost like if you took like a you know a chicken foot uh back scratcher or something and you know you had these long beams with he had two flyers and just all kinds of gnarly stuff going on it's just a cool looking deer he ended up getting killed by the neighbor um but but then there was another one i called heartbreaker and i'm not much for naming deer Uh, i had no problem with anybody doing that i just i guess i always felt a little silly about it but these deer i don't know why we we came up with those names when i say we i mean a few buddies that saw the pictures of these deer i filmed them and and whatever and I got the names from them, but and uh, I, I missed that one heartbreaker. He is a 170, 175 inch typical ten, and just a gorgeous beast of a buck. And I I missed him once, um, well three times. Once I actually missed a clean shot. That was you know just a bad shot. The other stay two with times you for hit, the rest of your life, man. That's oh, yeah, I feel your pain. yeah. Oh, the other two shots I hit sticks, and I seem to be pretty good at hitting sticks. I don't know how many stories I can tell you about limbs I've hit, but I've killed more limbs than I think I have big bucks. you got to start naming the <laughs> sticks. That's the trick. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, um, But, you know, I had no knowledge of that deer. Um, when I went in there, 
spot, but I just wasn't, I had been hunting a different beast uh, that adjoined, it's private, that butts right up to public, in fact, um, near the Vernon Marsh, actually, so uh, that'll give you an idea of one yep. uh, area. Not to name, I'm not going to name a whole lot of spots, but that's one that's, you know, hard enough pounded that I don't mind saying it all oh, loud. Yeah, it's a big area, too. It's, it's I've never actually hunted um, it. I, I don't know. I wouldn't even know where to start. But I uh, I was close to there, and I've been hunting pretty hard, and I didn't want to, you know, completely ruin the area by overhunting it. So I went back to this other farm and just wanted to, it was more of a, to be honest, more of an um, observation stand that I was sitting in. I, I typically hunt with a lone wolf, and, I, and that way, you know, if I can carry my stand and sticks on my back, I can walk into a piece, and when I find fresh sign, I can get set up quick, or at least keep the deer on their toes by... Um, you know, hunting a different tree every other set. Yep. Uh, keep them guessing a little bit. And, um, you know, I share another private piece with my brother-in-law, and he doesn't hunt a whole lot, but, you know, when there's more than one guy in there um, and he's not on the same program as you, you know, sometimes you got to hunt around the hunter, the other hunter. Well, there's uh, so, ways that people say they use that to their advantage, but that's that's a tough game. You know, you got to really know what people are doing and, and deer. That's a lot to analyze and understand it, to try to – predict correctly or forecast that's yeah there was a there was a there was a time when my my brother-in-law and if he's listening to this don't don't be upset for me bringing this up mark (laughs) uh but anyways uh he kind of got married to a tree stand um one of his first years hunting out on this uh piece of private and um i i tell him you know you should move and he was like no you know i've put so many sits into this spot I, i gotta sit it out until i until i kill one and I said, all right. It's really like well, then I hunted, oh. Yeah. But then I hunted around him, and I ended up doing pretty well. And so there's a example of a time where I used it to my advantage. But otherwise, no, it's, it, you know, you, you hunt around other hunters, but it keeps you on your toes for sure. It's, it's, more, it's more complicated than it should be. Yep. <laughs> but anyways, yeah, I'm sorry. I got deviated. That, that deer, though, that I killed, he was just a, he was a bonus buck. That's what he was. He came out with three other deer. No, I'm sorry. Two other bucks, and there's three total, and he uh, he got dangerously close enough for me to to smack him pretty good. He only ran 35 yards and piled up. Nice. But he was uh, he was a wide buck. He's cool looking. I just I remember standing over him, thinking, "Wow, I thought he was a lot bigger than he is. He's he's a he's a good deer. He's not the biggest buck in the world, but he's a you know I, I was happy with him for an eight pointer." Well, that's good. I mean, good there's, you should be proud of the deer that you get, you know. There's a lot of people, you know, saying, uh, oh, he's not the biggest, but I, you know, and then they start their set, and it's like, well, you don't got to discredit yourself. You got a buck, and it sounds like you hunted the property long enough to have earned that one, you know. Yeah, I definitely, uh, I mean, I will say I, I lucked into that. I mean, I was in the right spot doing the right stuff. I have the experience on that on that farm enough to know a good area to, to sit and, and at least observe where they're coming out and then make a move on them but uh but i i did get lucky that you know such a nice deer got too close for for his own good um but hey go back to that what you just said now that that's something that i think we don't have to talk long about it but let's that's address right. that quick there's yeah, the, a lot the of quote-unquote trophy lo- hunting it's just like yeah man you know be proud of what you do it's it's not easy to be a hunter especially now that there's so many of us like you mentioned and you don't got to discredit yourself by you kind of putting a big disclaimer in front of your post or whatever it is that you're talking about or even when you're talking about it with someone else ah, he's not the biggest one but that's okay yeah I, i'm more of a meat hunter than anything i think any trophy is a trophy you know um i don't know well yeah absolutely if the second you start you know second guessing what you're shooting at or what you did shoot uh and thinking less of it than what it is is a time where you 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 know as a hunter you need to step back and kind of reflect a little bit why you're out there because if you're hunting for the purpose of showing off to somebody else you're doing it for the wrong reason i don't care what anybody says that is a fact that is the wrong reason to be hunting now there's a difference between setting standards for yourself you know and and holding yourself accountable for your standards because you, 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 you enjoy that. If you find enjoyment out of chasing a, a larger, more mature buck and, or getting a bigger one year after year, hey, my hat's off to you, and I think that's a great, great thing to do, and, and that's fun. But if you shoot something and you discredit yourself or the deer um, 
you know, and, and you know inside, whether you say it out loud or not, that it's because you're worried about somebody picking on you or whatever, then that just sucks. And, yep. and, then, and it's and then, a shame. You know, it's a shame on the other side of people that ridicule that, too. It's like it exactly. comes both ways. It's just uh, it's interesting. It to is. See. And, and it's funny because you see more of it now than ever um because of social media there you know there's a time before this crap existed when you would you'd register your deer at the local registration station you'd walk in you know you get your beef jerky and you'd, you'd go out and look at all the trucks or and, you know, all the bucks in the trucks all the deer in the trucks and you just sit there and shoot the shoot the shit with everybody and it was a great time and you'd never tell someone to their face whoa wait great great deer there why'd you shoot that freaking four-pointer you know, yeah. you never say that to anybody face to face. I don't know why people are doing that stuff. It kind of bothers me. You, you know what I think is one of the the kind of humorous um, sides to this is when you got a guy who criticizes somebody's deer, but he hasn't shot one that big himself. <laughs> or, or I think one of the best examples of something just like that is when a guy says uh, when when he comes up and he looks at your deer and he goes, "Yeah, he's nice." And then he pulls out his phone and shows you a picture of something his that his buddies. buddy shot. Or, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Great. Thanks, man. Appreciate Goofy. That. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. But anyways, I didn't mean to sidetrack No, far, it's a but... decent sidetrack. I think anybody that's listening to this has some good perspective. You know, I, I just started getting back into this here this, this season. Um, like I mentioned, I've just been so damn busy. And, uh, you know, the first episode I launched last, last week, uh, it got 150 downloads right out the gate. So, you know, hopefully I'll kind of pick up some steam here again. And I know this time last year I was probably getting a little over 1,000 downloads per episode. Um, so people need to hear this stuff, and I'm excited for people to hear this episode, especially for some of these reasons. Yeah. You know, um, I don't know if you remember, but when you and I first talked, I mentioned when you were asking me about some of my public land uh, experience in South, you know, down here in southeastern Wisconsin. I mentioned, uh, and I won't say the place by name, um, but it's uh, it's in an area that's just a mecca for big deer falling victim to uh, bow hunters and gun hunters alike annually. And um, this particular piece of public is uh, now more pressured than ever. I mean, extremely pressured. Um, and I went into I went into this piece with my she was my girlfriend at the time my wife now um, but we had been together for two years and you know she was kind of learning a little bit about my program here with with deer hunting and she she wasn't a hunter herself but she you know her dad had done it and her brother had tried it a few times and she wanted to just come out and see what it was all about. Yep. Well, I yep. took her out to this and my buddy had told me about it. He goes, "Hey, have you checked out that you know that public land in?" such and such area um i can't say too much more i'll give it away not much of a secret anymore it's not much of a secret anymore but you know i don't i don't need to make it any more blown up than it is um but anyways uh he told me he's like just park at that um you know the main parking lot and then uh you're gonna have to walk down the road a ways to get into this area where you know most guys they're not gonna walk they either gotta get dropped off there um, or take a bicycle, or if they're like you and me, they'll park and they'll walk their butts down that road to get to that that one chunk. And when I say chunk, I mean it's one major big, it's one big piece, but then there's a lot of like sections of it that are isolated. I mean, not not landlocked, but isolated from the main body of this of this piece. And um, anyways, uh, my wife and I, or my girlfriend at the time, you know, she and I walked in and. It started getting light, and I kind of planned it that way. It was November 7th, um, peak of the rut. And uh, I wanted to have a little bit of daylight walking in somewhere I've never been before and hunt my way to somewhere to set up. I mean, it made sense. And so, anyways, we're walking at the base of this ridge. We look up. We see two does hop over the top. And uh, at this point, I'm I'm antsy, and I'm kind of like, ah. I don't know why, but let's just go up there and sit. Maybe maybe one of those does is hot, and if we can get up there fast enough, maybe something will come through. So we go up, and um, I sit her down about 15 feet away from me at the base of a tree. You know, we each clear a bunch of leaves, and um, and when you know it's so loud and crunchy because all the dead oak oak leaves. Um, I I said, well, while while we're clearing leaves here, I'm gonna you know, paw at the ground and, and I'm going to hit, I'm going to rake these uh, bushes right here with, with these rattling antlers. And 
she thought I was nuts. I mean, she didn't know what the heck I was doing. And I said, well, I'm going to do that. So it sounds like a couple of bucks fighting or, you know, and, and then maybe it'll attract a deer in, and that'll kind of be a cover up for the noise we're making here, clearing a spot for us to sit on the, on just the plain old earth on some dirt, you know, where it's quieter. Yep. So we do this and it's just getting light. And about 10 minutes later, and I would say, if I remember right, we were, I think we were maybe like 15 minutes into shooting time. I hear crunch, crunch behind me. And sure enough, this buck came in responding to the noise we had just made. And, or else, either if he wasn't, he was definitely, then, then one of those does was hot. I'm not sure, to be honest with you. I guess we were right there. So it could have been either or, but I've always thought of it as he came into me, you know, rattling and I let a couple soft grunts out and, and uh, was raking the ground real hard and whatnot, breaking some branches. Well, when he came in, he turned broadside 15 yards behind the tree that I was up against. And I remember looking over at Christy, my wife, and she was just had this, her eyes were wide open. And I knew, I didn't see much of the deer at this point. So I didn't know how big he was. When I saw her face, I knew right away, it's got to be a big deer because well, she she might not be a hunter. She knows what a big buck is versus a little one. I, yep. I knew that from from dating her for a while, you know. And I peek around the tree, and I about my jaw hit the floor. I, geez, that's a big buck. And I, you know, mind you, at the time I was what nineteen or or twenty years old, so this would be my biggest buck to, at that time. And I pulled my bow back, and I just peered around the tree, fully drawn, and he was broadside again at. The, 15 yards and I fired and I hit him back, um, you know, liver and guts kind of a, uh, in a spot like that. And I am, my heart sunk right away. Well, right at the impact, he dropped to his knees, you know, his front, front legs kind of just went down. I don't know why. Uh, it's not like I hit him in the shoulder, but his front, his front legs gave out and he, he landed on his knees. He stumbled back up and he bounded and he ended up like running right, right straight towards my, my wife who is, you know, like I say, just a couple of trees over. And she stood up because she was nervous and kind of froze in her tracks. Well, that spooked the deer, but not in the kind of way you'd think. You'd think a deer would see that and, you know, get the heck out of Dodge. But that deer stopped in his tracks, put his head down, and kind of like postured almost. And he had, you know, passed through. And I'm thinking, oh, my gosh, what is, what is happening? So it was kind of already a gnarly situation. I knocked another arrow and I didn't even look down at, I mean, if I'm honest, I didn't even look at my pin. I just pointed, you know, aimed and shot. Yep. That's a quick reaction kind of situation. Yeah. And the arrow ended up going, was whizzed right. He was facing me at this time, went whizzed right past his neck. And I thought, dang it, you know, but he, after that shot, he turned and kind of went up over the top of the ridge and well, long story short, we ended up uh, not giving ourselves enough time to track this deer. You know, call it uh, immaturity or inexperience or whatever. But, you know, we only waited maybe 30 minutes and got on his track. We ended up jumping him, and uh, he crossed over onto um, private. He crossed the road and went onto private. Wow. He goes down this hill and uh, big open grassy, you know, ravine. You could see mostly across it but down the very bottom there was a big tree stand uh and um and that's where like the little bit of woods were and and when i say woods i mean i guess they weren't woods there was like a bunch of saplings and uh so very rec- recognizable spot um where where i figured this deer had headed down towards and i knew he wouldn't go far i mean the shot wasn't that bad and a gut shot deer or even a liver shot deer eventually they're going to bed down well that wouldn't bed it down like 50 yards after i last saw him but then when we jumped him i figured he's going to go a ways but then he's going to have to stop he's got to be hurting way too bad he wasn't moving very fast well um i called a buddy of mine and my dad they came down and we knocked on that private landowner's door and I called those guys for reinforcements, you know, just to, not to knock on the door, but to collect the deer. <laughs> well, the guy answers, and he says, well, what'd you shoot? And I go, uh, I shot a <laughs> buck. And he goes, well, how big was he? And I go, he was real big, real big. And uh, he goes, he was. And I go, yeah. And he goes, where did he go? And I said, well, I got the blood. It's going right across the road here, right down under your 
to your land down that hill. And he's like, you walked onto my land? I said, no, no, I can see the blood like going across the, across the road and I can see it on the shoulder. And that's as far as I got, I didn't, I didn't go on your land. And he goes, well, I want you to stay off of there. You know, the gun season's only a couple weeks away here and I don't need anybody, you know, tromping around on my oh. land. And I said, well, I, I'm, I've got blood. I was, you know, it's not the best blood, but I've got blood. I, I'm sure he's got to be in there. And he made some comment about public land hunters and, and how, you know, basically, you know, he deals with too many of us guys making piss poor shots and he's not going to give me the time of day uh, and not in so many words, uh, not in so friendly words either. And I was heartbroken. I was even more distraught when I looked online at that Lake Link uh, website. Oh, yeah. And I, I saw somebody had created a post called uh, Missing Deer. Um, and I was like, huh, I got a similar story, you know, from a few days ago. And I look at it, and wouldn't you know it, one of the guys that, you know, some ranting, you know, that there's a lot of ranting I noticed on, on some of the uh, forums. And yep. uh, these guys are going back and forth and about making better shots and whatever. And there was a picture of the guy who I talked to a few days ago posing with my deer. And I could see clear as day his tree stand in the background. And he says, I, I, rec- I went down to get my stand set up for gun season and found this thing laying 25 yards away from my tree lousy public land hunters you know this thing was gut shot and this and that he didn't say anything about me making an effort knocking on his door or anything well the fact and, that the animal actually died yeah <laughs> it's such just a lousy wasted. shot i mean no just, it's such a just, lousy shot that it that it di- that it didn't live you know no and this is maybe uh, a that, 250 that yards me, that makes my blood boil i i would have had a real difficult time not going and causing a ruckus with that guy personally Especially at when yeah. I was nineteen, I was a, I was a real hothead to some degree. I was just full, of, you know, piss and vinegar and passion, and I would have, oh, that would have been rough. Well, see, that's that's how how we're a little different. Back then, I was more. I mean, um, you know, I had a hot head to some degree, but in these kind of circumstances, I was a little intimidated, and I uh, wasn't. You know, man, that's just yeah, that's just unfair. Especially your younger guy, you think you think you know, I'm trying to do the right thing. I'm asking for permission. You know, I shot this year. I, I don't feel great about it, but you know, I want to. I want to do my due diligence and make sure I, I make sure that you know I get the animal and that it's not out there freaking injured. I want to do the. I don't want to do the deer a disservice. Yeah, so it's just a bad situation, and you're gonna run into that if you if you hunt public land long enough. And you know, deer don't just tip over all the time when you hit them with a bow. <laughs> I mean, true. I yeah. I hardly see deer tip over when you hit them with a gun. Yeah, you know, yeah, unless you're. You know, so so sometimes they're going to go on to private. And I just, you know, if there's something I could say as a tip to, to guys hunting public land is don't be afraid to knock. If if, if your deer runs onto uh, private land, you should make every effort you can to recover that deer and knock on doors and plead your case. And, you know, I don't know. I know right where that guy lives, and he still lives there. And, and I bet you he's got that rack sitting somewhere in his garage or wherever. And I'm sure he's got an elaborate story to tell about how it all went down. But, you know, I, I have I've often thought about stopping there as I'm older now and, and bigger and, and asking him <laughs> to take a look at that deer. But I, you know, I don't do that. So, right. But uh, I sure think about it. <laughs> I, can't, I can't imagine it wouldn't. That's it's a buck of a lifetime from what it sounds like, you know, especially on especially on public land. We talked we talked earlier about trophies and anything on public land, in my opinion, is hard earned. You know, uh, oh, yeah. you see something like that, and, and you take a shot at it, and you have an opportunity to go tag that thing. That's just uh, that's just unfair. Yeah, yeah. So that's my that was that story. I I didn't have the time to tell you on the phone the other day. That's but, all right. Uh, that's the right. other we week, saved it. But... That's okay. <laughs> but that's that one. Um, well, that's a good one. That that's that's something to to think about. You know. Oh, yeah. We'll we'll <laughs> leave the audience with that. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, now I'm all bothered. As especially <laughs> as we're getting into the rut here. So, my gosh, what a crazy story. God, that makes me mad. Yeah, well, yeah you're telling me. So, But, yeah, I'm looking forward to the next uh, next few days here with my buddy yeah. Jesse. We're going we're gonna to ground and pound, um, you know, adrenaline style. Um, we're going to be uh, walking in, and we're going to have our stands in the, in the truck. Uh, but 
Um, we're not going to be, you know, set, it's not going to be easy for us to settle on somewhere to sit. This time of year, if you're hunting public land and you really want to maximize your encounters, try hunting from the ground sometime. I mean, it is difficult. There's no question about it. But public land is one of the hardest pieces of land to hunt. And, uh, you know, just going in and, and trusting your, your online um, scouting or whatever you've done from walking back in the summer, everything can change right now during the rut. So putting your stand up and hoping for the best may work. But I, I'll tell you what, I've done it enough times where hunting from the ground, still hunting, very quietly, stop, wait 20, 30 minutes, listen, let the woods quiet down. You'd be amazed how many times you stop from, like, you know, sneaking around and you hear, you know, chasing going on and you can make a move or, you know, it just find a piece that's really, you know, find an area that's extremely worked up and you know it's fresh and you know it's hot. And then you want to set up on it and maybe give it an hour or two and see if anything comes and then move on. Yep. That's, uh, that's, Gosh, what, that's, that's what we're going to be doing. That is, a, that is a hard, that's hard, a hard pill for me to swallow for some reason. I'm like your, uh, you said it was your brother or brother-in-law where you just get married to a spot sometimes. And I've, I've really tried to work that out of my system the last couple of years, literally last year and the year prior to that progressively I'm getting better and better at not marrying myself. I think last year when I was talking on the podcast, I, I ended up hunting seven new public land areas, um, which the year prior to that, three years ago, I hunted two, you know, so um, really trying to expand my horizons and make sure I'm getting out there and changing it up. Yeah, I'll, I'll say this when, if you're, if you're, if you're willing, if you've got the time and, and the energy and the motivation and the drive to, to uh, really, you know, get aggressive hunt from the ground you know the the best place to do it is public land you do that on private and in wisconsin we don't have big tracks of private i mean there are they exist but a lot of guys are hunting five ten twenty and forty acre pieces you get a bigger piece you're of the minority and even uh i've got a 125 acre farm that i lease and i hunt that from the ground and i will burn it up like i will burn it up quick you really need to uh be willing to stay mobile. If you're going to hunt from the ground and I say stay mobile, I guess I mean it two ways, but I mean, stay mobile on that piece, but then be willing to get in the car. If, if you're not finding what you're looking for and move on to the next one and spend a day doing it. Um, you know, it's challenging if you're married and you have kids and you know, <laughs> yeah, yeah. priorities, but, but you know, that give yourself a day and just go try it. I mean, you, you might, you might enjoy it. The other thing is, I get a lot of people that ask me questions like, how do you find public land to hunt? Um, that's a good question. I mean, you can find everything you want on the DNR's website, just about everything, I guess. Absolutely. And, and my dad and I, we got into um, applying for like conservancies quite a bit. We've had a lot of good luck with getting drawn. That's a phenomenal. See, not a lot of guys know about that token. I mean, that's a great way to go. Because then you're, um, you're hunting public land theoretically but you know it's got limited access they only allow five guys on that piece of land or that property or you know whatever it is for that for that slice but you know you get drawn every year but we apply every year and we had one year we got picked three years in a row uh for the same property and then you know the next year we got picked for a different property and you know we've we've had some success with that and it's actually it, it makes you feel pretty good it makes you feel like yeah i got my own little special plot here you know yeah yeah, you got a lot of options out there. Uh, across Wisconsin, you have, you know, in Waukesha County, you have park systems. They call them greenways. You have all over the state, you have um, MFL property. Well, you can't hunt MFL, but you can hunt MFL open. Um, and if you, you know, do, do a little digging online, you'll find the map and it and it shows you. And then, you, you know, you got to put your work in. You got to use Google Earth to kind of get a lay of the land. And, you know, uh, you got to... I find it wise to look up the GIS map for that county and then find that parcel and really try to distinguish the boundaries, print it out or store it on your phone, whatever you're going to do. So you've got a little backup plan if anybody confronts you. Um, and, and there's a whole lot more options. There's a lot of different pieces of public that aren't just like, you know, state-owned land or federal land. There's, there's a lot of options out there. you just got to get creative and start asking around. That's it. That's it. Creative is a good word for it. You got to just get outside the box because there's, 
There's, yeah. there, you're never going to be the one that figures out something that no one else is doing, but you might figure out the thing that a lot fewer people are doing, which is going to increase your odds of seeing less people and hopefully would thus increase your odds for seeing more deer. You know? Absolutely. But, uh, man, Absolutely. It, was, it was great talking with you. I'm really glad you took time out of the woods to, to chat with me today on the show. And, you know, I'd uh, be happy to have you back anytime in the future if you'd like. And, you know, good luck this week and, and hopefully you, you get something. Hey, thanks for having me. I, I sure appreciate you reaching out and, uh, and listening to me, you know, jibber jabber. It's all it's all good stuff, Sam. I appreciate it. All right, buddy. You hang in there and good luck this season. Same. Bye. All right, see ya. Looking for a spot to hunt? Download the free Where to Hunt app for your smartphone today. Avoid hunters, see less people, see more deer. With the Where to Hunt app, you will know where other hunters are before you see them. Just search Where to Hunt from the App Store to download today. All right, the tip of the week. I know you've only been waiting a week to hear the tip of the week, but this week I, I have, uh, I think it's a pretty good tip, actually. Um, it's about scent control, but not like you'd think. Scent control is a topic that gets uh, on a lot of saturation, a lot of chatter, a lot of talk. Very, very subjective. Um, but here's a thought, and uh, by thought I mean tip. A lot of hunters um, use odor eliminator. I use odor eliminator odor eliminator um and then i also use that you know the spray that smells like dirt and i, I spray that too uh, i know a lot of guys that will put their their not a lot i know a couple guys that will put their hunting clothes in a garbage bag full of leaves for the year up until the point where they go hunting um that's great you know for the first use but what happens when you use it and you sweat them all up well you know you gotta maybe you gotta wash them and then you gotta put your scent eliminator on then you gotta spray with the dirt stuff or you carry a dryer um the hell are those things you put in the dryer, the the fabric softener, but it's the ones that smell like dirt that you get with your dirt spray. That said, um, like I said, a lot of people will, will spray, including myself, will spray themselves when they're suiting up um, before we trek out to the stand. But, you know, there's, there's another group of people or hunters that will bring that stuff with them to the tree stand or to their hunting spot, whether it's a ground blind, a tree, a tree stand, whatever. Um, after you trek out to your stand, you're a lot of the times, you know, getting heated up and you're producing sweat and that sweat produces odor. So great. You've sprayed yourself down before that all happened, but now you've just kind of created some more odor and you got to eliminate it. So, um, tip of the week, which I'm actually going to try out and follow. It's not something I've done before. Um, I'm going to go ahead and bring out my odor eliminator into the woods with me and, uh, make sure I definitely spray my hat. I'm, I'm pretty bald. You guys see me doing the the Facebook live stuff. And uh, I almost always wear a hat, but every now and again, I'll take it off to scratch my head or whatever. And I'm pretty bald under there. So I wear a hat to, you know, cover my head up. It gets a little chilly, but you know, especially if you're wearing a knit beanie, when it gets colder out there, you're, you're producing usually, um, a lot of sweat. And if you're like me, it's, it's probably a gratuitous amount of sweat. For some reason I sweat more than the average human being. It's pretty gross and weird. Sorry to tell you that, but that's just the truth. So, um, (laughs) space, pay special attention to your hat, whether it's a cap or a beanie. Um, you know, try that for the tip of the week. Try bringing out some odor eliminator into the woods with you. Maybe you just say if you got like a small spray bottle or something, you can you can put in your your bat, your pack, whether it's a little fanny pack or a backpack or whatever it is you're carrying out there with you. That's my tip of the week. That said, uh, we did hear from a couple callers this week about using uh, decoys. We're going to get into decoy talk next week in much greater detail. But uh, I'm going to go ahead and we're going to pull in these callers and hear what they have to say about using decoys. Welcome to Where to Hunt. You're live. What's going on? Oh, hey, is this Dave? This is. I recognize that sexy 715, voice. 715-5, you should have known. What's that? 715-5, you should have known. I should have known. Well, all this says on my phone when you call is Dave. So, uh... I don't understand how you're doing this because I can see you talk, but yet I can. Yeah. Okay. Anyway, it's happening. Uh, it could be better, but this is what I got for now. So you've have you ever used a decoy before? I have not. I've always wanted to, but I've never taken the the jump. So to me, I feel like it's a hassle bringing it out in the woods, and it's more scent. And but sometimes it'd be nice because if you're in the column. And I feel like if a mature buck or something gets downwind or at least 
approaches you and they don't see anything, they get a little skeptical. Yeah. That's my theory anyway. It probably makes more sense that way. Um, the Montana decoys, their website looks like they have a lot of like the cardboard cutouts. So as far as convenience, I don't know how convenient it would be to carry that. I'm sure it wouldn't weigh much, but it'd be pretty awkward depending right. on how, how much stuff you're trying to bust through. But I don't know. It seems so like every being, decoy. What's that? Being cardboard, is it 2D then or 3D? Uh, it looks like it's 2D. Okay. From the yeah, from what I can see here. This guy's got his hands all the way around it, so it's like kind of flat. But it's the whole body of the deer, like the broadside. Okay. That almost sounds like a white tail adrenaline thing where <laughs> you know, like a spot in stock. Yeah, that's what it looks like. But then I wonder too, um, I don't know, people that use decoys, I feel like I almost only see decoys being used on TV shows and, and YouTube shows or whatever where they're in like a, a field of some sort. I don't really right. get to hunt a field too often, so I don't know that would be even something I would ever use in the hardwoods, you know? Right. I don't see why I couldn't use it, but yeah, definitely. I mean, especially at night when they're coming out to feed, it might give the other bucks more incentive to come out. Yeah. Or the more mature bucks. Yeah. I don't know. People sell them. People buy them. They're out there. You see them being used. It's got to be something worth trying. The the, yeah, the previous... I had... I had more permanent stands and didn't hunt out of my climber most of the time. And I usually try and stay mobile and, and not want to call much. I try to hunt pinch points and whatnot. If I was had stands hung and hunted over a lot of fields, I think I would get into it very time of year. There you go. The guy that called in before you, uh, Robert, he was talking about these, um, a specific brand of decoy. Mm-hmm. How's the brand? Dave Smith where they're like huge bucks. And he goes, I don't know what the effectiveness of that is because these things are so freaking big that nothing's going to come by unless it's way bigger. So maybe it's kind of like you catch a monster with a monster kind of deal. Yeah. Yeah. So you've never used one, but you'd consider it. It sounds like a neat idea. Makes a lot of sense. All right. Mm -hmm. Sounds good, man. Well, thanks for the call. All right. Yep. Talk to you later. All right. Bye. Hello, welcome to Where to Hunt. You're live. Hey, it's Robert. Hey, Robert, how's it going? It's going. Yourself? It's going good. Made it for round right. two of this thing here. Yes, sir. I think I got someone else so, calling off to tell them to hold on. So do you use a decoy, or is that something you've done in the past? This is my first year using it, just because, you know, you see on TV, everybody has Lux with either a doll or a half-rack buck, and... So I figured, why not? You know, and I tried it. Yep. And I had zero success with it at all. And how much did you pay for it, if you don't mind me asking? Uh, it's actually my brother's. I think it's an older flambo. Okay. One. So I, I don't know. Yeah, there's uh, I mean, like I said, the price range for these things that I'm seeing online is um, anywhere from 60 bucks to 70 bucks, all the way up to like $700. And I'm sure it goes beyond that. Yeah. Yeah, those Dave Smith decoys are unbelievable, but he only does a buck one. Okay, yeah, that's one I see. Actually, it's Dave Smith, yep. <laughs> and the weird part is, is my dad actually films for open season TV. Okay. And what the guys were saying is those bigger buck decoys, yeah. you really don't want to use them unless you know for a fact that you have huge mature gear around. Right, because it'll probably you know, scare most of them off. Yeah, you're putting a 150, 160-inch decoy out there. You're not going to have a 120-inch deer come in and challenge, right. you that's know, like, that decoy. So that's, that's like, why you want the smaller bucks. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. That's almost like trying to catch a muskie with another muskie. Right. <laughs> <You know? laughs> yep, don't do it. Yeah, that's fascinating. So I'm excited to have well, but, the, the Montana, decoys on, Montana decoy guys on to see kind of their their viewpoint because if you go to their website the the buck that they have pictured is like a little you know four point spike and i bet you that's yep. that's exactly what you're talking about yeah you know it's just like bullying in school you're always going to pick on the smaller guy yep get out of here you know you can beat him yep so that's what it comes down to but i mean like i had a half rack buck decoy set up over the camera all night i did a mock scrape um, the trail camera on all the pictures, you'd see the deer come in, check the scrape, and it goes picture to video, and they just walk on by the buck, never hmm. sniffed it, never were spooked by it, never attacked it. I almost wonder if it'd be worth 
put any and then obviously like do you ever use a doji koi and when's that appropriate do you put any stress scent on it those are the questions i'm gonna be asking them a lot of my buddies use a doji koi you know and then on the tail put the doe piss on it sure you know they have luck with it but you want to put it so the deer comes you know they circle the decoy it yep. comes in on the back side yeah you don't want to put it in the wrong spot screw yourself out of a shot no nope. but yeah. i mean this weekend sucked up at excellent center there's <laughs> zero you know activity wise i say dark to dark saturday never seen a deer hmm. sunday night i had three little bucks come in and one probably 130 140 inch eight pointer come in but he wasn't searching for does you know he just came walking in and was going right down to the field it was just the quote-unquote experts are saying the rut's going to fall between November 10th and the 20th, which puts us right around gun season, which would be a first for me since I've been hunting. I don't know that I've ever recalled a rut that landed that way, but I don't know how much I believe in some of that stuff either. You know, it's all what you see and where you are, I think. I mean, don't get me wrong. My brother's got some buddies. We live in Dane County, and in the last three nights, <clears throat> excuse me, there's been 150 182 and just over 200 inch deer shot so that's ridiculous i mean it depends where you are and yeah but up in earthland center in this warm weather i'm not going back up this weekend I yeah mean, bugs are terrible no still point. too yep but i'm gonna try the decoy again i mean you see stories you hear stories about it and they work so yeah i can't do any harm i can't i mean hopefully not anyways you know it's like deer oh, run yeah. away from the damn things if, if it all it's going to do is potentially attract it or do nothing then i would if you got it, use it, you know, maybe. Well, it's like a turkey decoy, you know, they're curious. They, yeah. granted, they might come into 100 yards and know something's not right and turn around and walk away, but as long as they're not sprinting, you know, <laughs> blowing, yeah. then it's fine. Yeah. Cool, man. Well, thanks for the calling. Um, I'll give that the other caller that I tried calling at the same time a chance to call back here. Well, cool. Tell Scott Ford to call you. Yeah. <laughs> Put a message <laughs> on there, see if you can tag him. He'll probably call in if he's on here. Yeah, he's a buddy of mine. So oh, really? Yeah, I met yeah. him at work a couple of years back. He's a good guy. Yep. So, That's awesome. all right, well, I'll call him next time, too, if I got information yeah, for you. Yeah, you'll be on the podcast, so I don't know if you heard the last one that I put out. I did not. You're on it, I think. Okay. All right, man, have a good one. You too. Good luck. Yeah, bye. Bye. Well, that about wraps things up here. Um, a couple ways you can get in touch with Where to Hunt. Uh, we got the website where to hunt app.com you can use the word two or the number two in where to hunt app.com uh really active on facebook facebook.com slash where to hunt and that is with the word two not the letter twitter uh haven't been that active on there lately but it's at w2 hunt and uh email you can send a contact form post through the website or you can send it directly to where the number two hunt wi at gmail.com and uh, hopefully you enjoyed this week's episode we're gonna do another call-in segment this coming week so keep those calls coming in i think it's making the show a lot more interesting to hear what other people have to say other than myself i like a little boring talk fast all that stuff um, but thanks for tuning in taking time out of the woods and as always hunt public
love to hunt in the United States. And I've always got my ear protection. I point my gun in the right direction. I'm a hunter and I am safe.